Welcome to the Sticks and Blades podcast for episode three. I'm your host, Doug Marsh. And my guest today, this is somebody that I go back with many, many years to the early 2000s. And recently I've just seen this brother. He's He's been doing some big things. Uh, recently he's been on the Forged and Fire show, the Knife or Death series. Uh, I believe it's a spinoff of uh, the Forged and Fire. It's hosted by Bill Goldberg on the History Channel. He's also been featured on the Man at Arms show, uh, what is it called? Man at Arms Art of War shows hosted by Danny Trejo. He's the president of the Historical African Martial Arts Association, and he's the chief instructor of the Guild of the Silent Sword in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, my friend, Mr. Damon Stiff. How you doing tonight, man? Oh, man, I'm doing well, man. You make me sound like I'm all important and stuff. <laughs> well, you are, man. It's all about the guests. It's all about the guests. But, uh, yeah, man, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here, especially after everything we went through last week. So uh, just to let you folks know, uh, we had some technical issues. We are supposed to shoot this episode last week, and technology was not our friend. And uh, Damon, you know, again, he was uh, just gracious with his time. And, again, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here to uh, talk with us. Yeah. Yeah, no, man, it's nothing. I mean, if you, you're saying you want to interview me for a podcast, I'm like, yeah, I'm down like four flats. So, like, it's, it's actually, it's my, it's my pleasure. So I'm happy to be here and happy we can make it happen. All right. Thank you, man. So I'm gonna go ahead and kick this off like I normally do. And uh, my first question to you, man, is how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Mm. Yeah, man, you're going right in. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, how do I define leadership? Um, I I will say like in a nutshell, like leadership is, um, uh, man, like being like being in the front like leading from the front, guiding from the front, not even guiding, but it's like setting the example and, um, you know, showing the people that are with you, that are depending on you and relying on you, that whatever you're asking of them is something that you would do yourself. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a really, I really, really believe in that, that, that old school ethos of like, you lead from the front, you show by example, um, if people follow you, then great. If not, then you still, you know, know what your path is. And I think that people recognize the the, um, the sincerity in that, and um, it, it uh, awakens that that desire to like move in that same way. So I, I personally would like to, to thrive, to strive, to to be in that in that mode and that model of like being able to lead from the front, uh, setting the example, getting my hands dirty. Uh, being, you know, approachable, um, at the same time, um, you know, the, 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 the pitfalls of leadership, you know, comes with ego and with personality. So like being able to check your ego, check your personality and to realize that, you know, leadership is about service. And it's not just about like, you know, promoting yourself and getting your name out there and all of those. Sometimes those are byproducts of leadership. It is really about like the, um, the, um, the, the movement that you are, um, that you are, uh, you know, uh, the movement that you're, that you're a part of and that you're trying to facilitate. So that, that's kind of, for me, that's the, that's the thing is being of the people, you know, being right there in the thick of things and think in the thick of things is, is, is kind of where I, I like to, 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 to put myself and feel like I thrive for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, concerning the second part of your question, um, I, you know, I grapple with that. Um, to be honest, um, as a kid, I was, uh, very, I was very, um, unassuming, um, I wasn't the kid that you would probably think was like, oh, this guy is going to, you know, you know, do all this stuff. You know, I was just quiet. I kind of kept to myself at the same time. You know, I was, you know, I remember, um, you know, not having a lot of access to things as a kid and, um, you know, finally starting to starting to like get into my, get into some martial arts training. I remember, um, you know, my finally getting access to some training under an instructor 
And the first thing I did with that is like I took what I was doing and I shared it with my friends. Um, and I don't know if it could if that told me, hey, that you're you are a leader or whatever the case may be. But there has been these little little seeds uh, throughout my life as a you know as a young person where I either went against the grain or felt really strongly about what it is that I wanted to do. Um, and just kind of followed that. So, um, and I still like as an uh, as an adult, excuse me, as an adult in my forties, I still kind of question and struggle with the idea of of my place in leadership. But I would think that there have been kind of hints of it uh, in my childhood. And yeah. I'm still trying to actualize that as an adult. Yeah, it's leadership is a funny thing, man. I mean, we all go through those uncertainties. Uh, one of the guests before I, I was talking to him and just telling him that like when you're put in that position of being an instructor, a lot of times you just don't know who you are. You haven't found your voice. So it takes a, it takes a while to to get very comfortable, you know, in regards yeah. to being able to express yourself and, and properly teach the art, whatever art it is that you have. But right. I remember, man, way back in the day, uh, this is like, oh, two. Um, mm-hmm. You were you were a Copwell instructor over at uh, the place on Olin Road in Austin, Texas. It was you. Yeah. Uh, there was another another guy there that was uh, teaching an Inosanto blend of uh, Filipino uh, martial arts. Yeah, Larry Sinclair grew Larry Sinclair. Yeah, Larry, and uh, uh-huh. and then of course you know my teacher Tuhan Leslie Buck. He had his Pekiti Tertia class as well as uh, his uh, Silat Mandimuda class. Well, I remember. Right. I remember. There was a Saturday that I showed up over there. I can't remember if I asked if we agreed to meet up or if I was there to get a private from Leslie or, or whatever. I don't remember. But what I do remember is that me and you started training in the courtyard. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that that opened my eyes a whole lot because at that point I had this view of Copweta to where it was just uh, kind of like wushu to where it just looked good, but it didn't have any practicality. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And some of the stuff that you were showing that day that when we were training, I was like, you know, shit, you know, I didn't know they did headbutts yeah. and takedowns. And, <laughs> you know, these, these people, they, they're really about their business. Damn. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, and, and just to piggyback off of that, like that was, you know, that, that conversation and that kind of acknowledgement was really, really important for me, especially like back in those days, you know, when we're talking about O2, which it was a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. But it was it, it still it was a it's a long time, it was a good chunk of time. And the the, the you know, Capoeira as an art form, where it's gone between where it was at then and where it's at now, you know, um it, it, we're in different places. So like a lot of the stuff that I was like trying to like teach and things that I was trying to champion about the art you know, I didn't really get a lot of, I didn't get a really warm reception from the Capoeira community, you know, about that, you know, concerning that. Because, you know, the feeling is that, you know, you were, that I was, you know, taking something and making making this, this beautiful spiritual art form into something that was like brutal and violent. And it was, a, it was counter to the spirit of, um, of of what Capoeira was and is and stood for at, at its core, and so like in those days, you know, I'm grappling with like my own community, the people that are supposed to be the closest to me, and have my back in this art and in this in this in this form of research. You know, most of them don't really feel you know what it is that I'm doing. So like to have that kind of like that from a martial artist coming from a different background, but to have that have to have you like acknowledge that and kind of see that, you know, those are those, those are those small victories that made that kind of really helped me to, um, to get to where I'm at now. Man, that's big. And see, I didn't even think about that. And, you know, the thing, the thing with cop weather where I saw that day that, you know, I guess it's all up, it's all up to the teacher who teaches it, but there's blade work within cop weather. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, there's, there's elements a definite combative elements to that art. So how'd you get yeah. start? How'd you get started in Capoeira? And who are some of the people that you learned from? <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a that's a whole nother podcast there, man. <laughs> um, I'm gonna shoot straight, man. I'm gonna shoot straight with you. And, and this is the thing now. I've gotten to the point, 
and I and I couldn't have gotten to this point again without without people kind of seeing the proof in the proof in the pudding. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that before I answer your question. So to be to be square, to be 100% square with it, um, I am a I'm a self-taught capoeirista. Oh wow! Yeah, I um I came to the art form. Um, with, I previously had a I had a previous martial arts background. When I was in high school, um, I saw only the strong, like everybody else saw it, and was completely like blown away by like the movement, you know, by the movement and by the spirit of the art. And that movie didn't even really touch upon like what copyright really was. You just kind of felt that there was like, it was like something that was connected to people of African descent. There was a connection to like music and history and tradition, even though the movie didn't touch on that really at all. You know, you just kind of got more that this is like part of Brazilian culture. Right. So, um, you know, and I was looking at it, I was like, oh man, this is pretty dope. Um, but like, I really couldn't see myself like fighting with it because I was a, I had a background in, you know, uh, uh, Shorinaru Karate as a kid and then uh, J, uh, JKD um, as like a teenager to, to uh, you know, as, a, as an older teenager. <clears throat> so like, you know, I, I had that desire to like be in film, but like at the same time, so I can kind of acknowledge, you know, what I saw was like pretty cool looking, but I didn't really accept that it was, um, that it was too practical. But, you know, hey, I love, I love the idea of it and I started kind of messing around with it, you know, and when you're young um, and when you're into something, you know, you, you thirst for it, you hunger for it, and that's what it was for me in Capoeira. So I, I would find anything and everything that I could. And this is like pre, this is pre-internet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pre-internet, pre-Google, you know, research we're talking about. So, you know, I'm looking to, I'm in, I'm in, you know, the library, you know, looking up books and getting stuff, anything I can on the art form, you know, blessing and a curse for me in that, in that way. Uh, the, the curse is that, you know, Hey, pretty much I don't really have a lineage. So therefore I'm, it's open season on me, you know what I'm saying? Um, and what I'm doing so that, you know, it produces skepticism about what I, you know, what it is I do. And that's kind of understandable. That's the byproduct of that. The uh, perk of that though, is that it allowed me to not to see Capoeira through the lens of a lineage and even a style, but actually to see it as a holistic art and from the eyes of an academic who is, in a sense, kind of disconnected from, you know, the lineage battles and stuff. Yeah, So, absolutely. like, when I'm looking at Capoeira, and it's, it's easy, you know, because, and, and this is, like, the way of things, you know, it's like, it's easy to say, okay, this is what my mestre teaches me, this is what my mestre taught, this is my mestre's Capoeira, this is what I do. And there's nothing wrong with that. The only problem is with that is that when you don't know that your mestre's, um, your mestre's view of capoeira, your mestre's capoeira is a part of capoeira, but it's not the whole story. It is a valid part of it, no matter what style of capoeira you're doing. It is a valid part of the story, but it's not the whole story. And not one mestre, not one tradition, not one lineage holds the whole story. You know, even Mestre Pastinha, who is, you know, accredited as the as the um the custodian of traditional capoeira in Bahia, you know, he was you know, he has eighty years of of experience in the art, life experience in, in Bahia, Brazil, and life experience in the art form. And he, you know, very humbly acknowledges that, you know, even the greatest even the greatest of us, him, knows very little of the art, you know, and it's, it, it's very um, telling for a master of that caliber and that prestige to acknowledge that, like, yeah, I, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm great in this art, but there's also, there's this art is greater than me in many ways. So um, from the way that I approach the art, it allowed me to, you know, see it, not in the form and not in the terms of this is my school's way of doing it. This is what we call the technique. This is how it's done. But I was actually looking at it as a whole phenomenon that was happening in Brazil and as a whole phenomenon that was happening as part of the, um, um, the transatlantic slave trade. 
um, which again, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it it keep I'm, it allows me to be very open-minded in my approach to other people. At the same time, um, you know, I didn't really have I didn't really have a lot of support because of that. You know, any support that I had, it, it was it was gained through my my love and devotion to the art, my physical skills, and then like my knowledge of the game. Well, I can tell you firsthand. I mean, I I've seen your guys. I used to see your guys o- over at the clubs, and you know they're they're putting on a show in the middle of the clubs, dancing, and you know I would approach them and say, "Hey, man, y'all ain't fooling nobody. Y'all up here training in the middle of the club, <laughs> you know." But they had it yeah. together, and I never. I never would have known that you were self-taught. I mean, that's 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 pretty spectacular. I mean, especially seeing what I've seen with you. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a and it's taken me a it's taken me a while to actually be comfortable in my skin to be able to say that because it is like it is um you know and I and I've trained with I've trained with masters and I have I have masters that have have influenced my game and have, have influenced my approach, you know and. I think that more so because I'm at a point now. It's like it's not that I can't really learn anything else from anyone. There's plenty to learn, but I think that I've already kind of established like my, my, um, like my, like my, my, my game, my understanding of the art is kind of already. I am who I am now, and um, I think now it's about kind of creating, you know, connection with the elders is what I'm kind of like. It's a part of me that's kind of missing now. It's like I want to connect with some elders. And, you know, it would be great to find someone who would like, who will support the work and the research that I'm doing and kind of stand behind me in that matter. And I I have allies and friends, again, in the art who, you know, because of like my, like either my skill or just because of my, my spirit or my dedication have, are, you know, got my back and support me. But, um, it, it hasn't been an easy, an easy, an easy go, to be honest. Yeah, I I could see that it isn't easy. And you touched on research. And, you know, since I've known you again, you know, I've seen you do this transition, you know, I I shouldn't Mm -hmm. say transition, but an evolution, you know, so I I knew you as a as a cop weather guy, you know, you'd come into some of the colleague classes and you'd play around with that and experiment and things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, over the years, I've seen that you've done a lot of studying into various African arts you know, that are, mm-hmm. are blade based. So where did that yeah. interest come from? Is that just an evolution from uh, the Capoeira and learning more about uh, the African roots of that? Or was this something totally different to where you just wanted to dive deeper into the culture? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So to answer that question, um, for me, my introduction to the martial art came through the blade. Um, I, I tell the story all the time. It sounds like an old, you know, kung fu movie. You know, my dad. I was six years old, and my dad gave me my first sword. It was a toy sword, and I, you know, I played with that sword until it like fell apart, and then I taped it up and I played with it some more until it just completely just disintegrated, and it's like that kind of like planted that seed in me. Um, and. You know, that was my my desire. I won't say it was completely blade-centric, but it, there was this thing I felt as a person of African descent. I felt like there were, there were certain um, stories that we were kind of excluded from because of ignorance and because people didn't really know about our history and about our stories. So um, the interest in, like, you know, with with uh, fighting with like you know edge and impact weapons uh, is rooted in my understanding of, of of my desire to like connect with my ancestors' history and this, the the stories and the legend and the myths and the kingdoms and the empires that were built, you know, by our ancestors that we don't really hear about. Um, so when I um, so when I when I uh, when I got involved with Capoeira. It was like I was kind of in this transition between a, a few different things, you know. So, so I was um, I was studying kinjitsu um, along with along with my other martial arts, you know, endeavors. And um, I got to a point where, like, I was really feeling the um, the, the warrior ethos of bushido and the samurai. At the same time, like, I got to a point where I felt like it was like not 
it was not really super practical, you know, with with what was going on. Because I'm gonna tell you, man, like I, like I said, when I there's something I want to know, I dive into it very deeply. So, I mean, you, you gotta understand, man. Like I'm I'm walking. I mean, you know that movie uh, back in the days with uh, Forrest Whitaker, Ghost Dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghost Dog. I remember yeah, that. That one. was that was that was me. That was me. <laughs> like straight up, straight up. Ask anyone that knew me back in back in the the mid nineties. You know, I used to I used to walk around town with the broken strap strapped on my back. I was reading the um, I was reading the treatises of Ito Itosai, Mimoto um, Musashi, um, like whatever I could. I was like in it, like I was like invested in that. Like I was straight up. That was my stuff, man. Like I was in that, like straight up. You know, so I was doing that for a bit. But then I got to a point where it's like I felt like, yeah, like I'm I'm feeling this, but it's like there's something that's kind of like missing, you know. Um, and at the same time, like I'm also trying to understand like my place and my understanding as a as a as a as a as a as a, as a person of African descent, a black male in this country. I'm trying to like you know fight that battle and try to understand my story in that sense. <clears throat> so I went through like a transition of um, fighting arts from from East Asian arts to Southeast Asian arts, to, you know, arts from, from that were African-based. And Capoeira was one of those, 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 um, those arts that kind of, you know, hey, if this is actually derived from African martial arts, then it had to be like parent arts. So I think for me, the first thing that I was getting into as far as like African and African-based martial arts was um, Capoeira, Nguni or Zulu stick fighting, and um, uh, Tachib, uh, which is a, a form of Egyptian stick fighting practice, uh, a Sahidi, uh, a Sahidi uh, style of stick fighting in, in, in Egypt. So those were kind of like my, my gateway into like the weapons. You know, uh, Zulu stick fighting was like somewhat documented and it was easier to get like some access to things. And then from there, like I would just kind of whatever, um, whatever academic sources I I could find that would mention any like combat sports, anything that was kind of connected to like warrior training, blah, 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 I would go for it. Um, at the same time, like I'm, I'm at the university, I'm hitting the university up, taking full advantage of the PCL library here at UT. Um, I'm talking to students who are coming from the continent, trying to, um, you know, make connections and learn as much as I can. Um, sometimes that was met with like backlash. Sometimes, you know, I had a brother named Abalu who was from, um, um, he was from Togo and he wrote a paper comparing, uh, uh, the style of wrestling they do during the Ivala festival in Togo with, uh, wrestling arts like judo and jujitsu. Um, and I remember he came to my Capoeira class, uh, and his gym and he showed me some techniques from these, their, from their style of wrestling and stuff, you know? So like, that's what I would do is like whenever I would do, um, any performances, anytime I had a chance to connect with someone from the continent or even from the Caribbean, cause like I was looking at, I was looking at art forms that were related to Capoeira, but weren't as documented, you know, like Damier and Kalinda. So whenever I get a chance to talk to someone from that area, like I would pick their brains about, you know, their fighting arts and things like that. Um, so it was kind of all happening organically, but I, I made a conscious decision like in the, uh, in the late nineties that we need to focus on capoeira, focus on Nguni stick fighting and focus on Tahtib. Um, the Tahtib I did a little bit, but it was more, uh, it, the Nguni stick fighting kind of took more precedence over that. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, everything starts to snowball. Like once we get more connected, you know, we get more access to information and more access to people. And then it just starts to build from there. So you built up this network, I mean, basically of historic African martial arts. And that and that's very intriguing. And you, you said something that I think is really true, that there's there's a lot of people of African descent that are part of the the story of the martial arts. I mean, we mm-hmm. can, we can go back as far as Yasuke. You know, a lot of people don't talk about Yasuke in uh, Japan. For those of you guys who don't know mm-hmm. who Yasuke is, that's a he was a black samurai, like an actual black samurai in Japan back during uh, the, the feudal times, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it gets even deeper because, like, you know, you know what 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 was intriguing about like because I one of the the things that like with 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 this, with this journey is that I realized that like in the sixties uh, and seventies. You know, there were quite a few uh, pioneers in this type of research, and um, a lot of what they were doing um, helped to kind of push me along. Like, I didn't follow exactly the path that they were going on, but it it definitely helped, you know, guide me and kind of add, like, you know, a skeleton into, and a form to, like, what I'm doing. Um the things that I have, the, the the information that I have access to, that I'm blessed to have access to now, it wasn't available uh, to them in those times. So, you know, what you find is, um, you know, uh, art forms that are that are hybridized, you know, with African concepts, but they're 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 based off of like you know, you know what you have available, the Asian martial arts or whatever the case may be. And, you know, that's a very important part of our development and our growth, even though, like, you know, some people may look look down upon it and they feel a certain way about it. And, you know, like I said, we have to realize where people were at at the time. And it's like what you have available, you work with what you have available. And the concepts, the foundation that they laid, you know, I can't say that I would be able to do what I'm doing now if it hadn't been for guys that were, you know, you know, doing something they did back then. So, um, you know, the, the idea of us progressing is that, you know, each generation, you know, reveals more more light to the subject than the other. So I'm hoping that, you know, in my time, it may look, you know, people may look back at what I'm doing and say, oh, man, that was, well, you know, what the hell is he doing? Like, God dang, he's really messing things up. But I don't think that people will be able to say that we – I don't, I don't think people will be able to deny the steps that were taken to get us to a better place. And that involves people who are actually getting their hands dirty and trying to figure the stuff out. And that's kind of what I've like, I've come to peace with for myself. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure stuff out. Um, I'm not going to sell anybody on any stories. Like I, I wasn't taught by, you know, uh, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh Allah and, you know, whatever else, the, the, the secret of comedic fist or anything like that. You know, I, I'm I'm researching and using my skills as a martial artist and my skills as a historian, as a researcher, and my love of it to try to reconstruct what I think could have possibly been how they approached, you know, using these weapons. And, for, you know, at that point, it takes me out of that, it takes me out of that loop of, like, I'm a gatekeeper and I'm the master of everything to, like, I'm a researcher uh, I'm an enthusiast, I'm an athlete, martial artist, and I'm a, a lover of history and of uh, the fighting arts and of the culture of Africa. And that's, from that, it's like, you know, you can, you, you can't really attack me from there because it's like I'm doing what I love. You know what I mean? Exactly. So just to uh, transition a little bit, you know, your your research is, is pretty vast. You know, it's very time consuming, I would imagine. But, you know, you already said that you're the type of person that, you know, when you're interested in something, you just kind of jump in head first. And and yeah. what, one of the things that I've seen uh, that you've added to your arsenal over the years is the machete fighting. Uh, there was a mm. I believe there there's one from uh, Haiti from uh, Alfred mm. Aver Averill. I don't know if I'm saying his name. correctly. Mm -hmm. And then you have the. Yeah. You have then you have the Escrima de Machete of Porto Tejeda in Colombia. Mm -hmm. You know, Colombia, yeah, yeah. Yeah, could you talk a little bit about both of those and what their similarities are, and, and you know how you came to to find these people? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so all that started for me is back again back in the UT days. Um, I hear about a a stick fighting art called Garrote La Renta from from uh, Venezuela, right? And again, this is like early days of the internet, so it's like you know you can get like little clips or little images. And I found out there was like a book, you know, on the art. So um, you know, I get the book, and uh, you know, I make me some copies. You know, probably you know illegal for me to do that, but you know, hey, I was making some. It's like you know. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> do what I gotta do. Yeah, you know. So I made some copies and made notes and stuff, 
and um you know as i was as i as as again as the community starts to connect with each other and people start sharing more I started seeing more videos and seeing more people doing it and, um, you know, talking and connecting with people. So it was like, I was checking out some of the movements because, you know, I'm seeing it, it's like, oh, wow, it's like a very, some of this stuff is very similar as far as like some of the footwork of Capoeira because there's this, there's this, there's this, um, I don't want to say dance, but there's a dance-like aspect to the movement. There's this, like, there's this, um, it's very different from like, you know, from, from other art forms where, you know, when you have a weapon in your hand, you know, we're talking about like fighting, competing either in a sport aspect or in a life or death situation. So it's like, you have those two, you have that, that extreme in the fight. But what I saw with Garote was, you know, there was this interaction, there was this play, you know, between the two people, which was very, you know, it felt very much at home um, to me with, with, with Capoeira. So, um, you know, like anything else, I saw it kind of incorporate some of this movement into what I was doing. And um, as like the years passed by, you know, I noticed that there was, you know, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll do research and look stuff up. And I came across, um, um, so there's an Italian guy and he uh, shot a video in Colombia. And uh, he was with, he was uh, training with um, Maestro Lodito and Maestro Sandoval of uh, Colombia. And like when I saw that, I was like, oh man, I was like, oh man. I was was looking at the the footwork, the body movement, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is what, it's like I really need to get, you know, more access and information to this. Uh, So, you know, I hit up the, I hit up the guy and I'm like, hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing. Um, I, I love to kind of learn more and connect with the connect with the people and blah blah blah. blah. And you know, he was like, yeah, this is you know, Machete Fancy from Colombia, um, so forth and so on. And he was like, really dismissive in a sense, like he was like, you know, yeah, I don't think that they would really want to teach you because you're like an American. And I'm like, okay, you know, so. You know, pretty much she was the only one who was shot, had did any videos on his art, and he was already kind of shutting me down. I was like, okay, well, you know, I guess I just, I'm going to have to just wait until I can get some access to someone who will share with me. So, you know, the kind of person that I am, like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to wait. I'm also going to be busy while I'm waiting. So, you know, I practiced the drills that they were doing, and I practiced them religiously. And if any other information came out, I practiced those things too. And if somebody, um, if somebody other than this guy had a connection, I reached out to him and tried to make connections with him. Um, you know, and so this, this is like a, something that's happening over over a course of time. So as years go by, you know, we're everyone's all connected to each other, like on Facebook and whatever else. <clears throat> And um, I see uh, my and Maestro Lorito is uh, on. It's actually, hold on, I'm double double back. Let me double back. It's a long, it's a long answer story. So it's like, as all this is happening, there are other people, there are other videos, and other people who are kind of doing the art. Like I kind of connected with uh, uh, Professor T J Desh Ovi, who had been training training um, in Colombia, and he did a few videos and he did some um, wrote some some articles on the art. So you know, I had I definitely had peeped those out and had connected with him about uh, coming to Austin to do workshops, but it never really materialized. So anyhow, I connected with, uh, I finally was able to connect with um, Maestro Morito and just kind of like, hey, would love to learn more, you know, what can I do, how can I, how can this happen? And so basically, like when I reached out to him, we started a a mentorship and a friendship and uh, a connection, you know, at long distance. Okay. Um, a few years ago, I had an opportunity to, to train with him you know, in, in person in LA. And then we brought him down to Austin, um, to come in and train here as well. And it's like, so that's kind of what's, what's, what's been, uh, building between us. So it's not really a, it's, it's a, it's a, a long winding story, but that's kind of like our relationship. It's been me just being hungry for what I'm seeing and just kind of going after it as best I can until finally, you know, making contact and being able to facilitate a, a, a deeper connection and deeper relationship. Um, as far as like the Haitian machete is concerned, 
it's a little different because I've had many near misses with the art form where I've, I've come across practitioners. And so, mind you, the real system is a is a family system. So it's not there are other styles of uh, of a uh, of a uh, tier and tier bois, which is a uh, stick fighting in in Haiti. Uh, but you know, it just so happened that I, I'll tell you. Okay, I don't know how mystical you are. <laughs> and I'm not very mystical myself, but um, I'll tell you this quick story, and then uh, this kind of introduces me to uh, the Avril system. So when I was teaching Capoeira at UT, and we were squatting in the UT in the UT uh, Anahis gym, teaching classes in the basement, doing my class right, and so there was this guy. He was a custodian. Uh, he would always kind of like walk by, he'd watch us do our thing, and he'd go that that business. Um, older black dude, you know. And one day, you know, again, that's my that's my UT face. So like, I'm 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 engaging people and asking questions. So you know, I go up to him and I say, Hey, man, how you doing? I'm just kind of talk to him, and you know, we we kind of build a rapport with each other. And he's like, Yeah, I'm, he's from Haiti. And so I ask him the question I always ask people, like, Hey, so do you know anything about um, you know, stick fighting or you know, you know, martial arts or fighting arts is a practice there in Haiti. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, um, I don't practice myself, but like I have a friend um, here in town that, uh, you know, he practices the arts and so forth and so on. So I was like, okay, I was like, yes, we got to, let's like connect and whatever else, right? I kid you not, like, I don't know what happened, but I never saw him again after he, you know, made that connection with me. Dang. So, <laughs> so I had another situation where I met a, a man from Haiti here in Austin, and he was a neighbor of my mom, and I, again, I made the connection with him, and it was like, yeah, I'm going to show you some stuff, and then he disappears. So, you know, this is years and years ago, so... One night, because I'm, I'm, this stuff is on my brain. I had this dream, right? And I had this dream about the old, the older man um, at UT, and he's like telling me some stuff. He's showing me some stuff, right? And you know, I wake up, I'm pretty excited. So you know, I go and I do my, I do my thing where it's like, okay, I spend time researching, looking for stuff. And I kid you not, I came across the first videos of of um, of Mike Dillon and Professor Avril doing chair machete. And like you know, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is this is crazy because this is like my dream is like this must be the reason why. So you know, I contacted him, and um, uh, we made connections and started working together. I brought him out to Austin a couple of times to teach classes, and um, yeah, so that relationship started like you know years and years ago. And it's kind of the same thing. It's 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 a it's a mentorship and a friendship that uh, happens you know, from afar, and it's pretty much up to my own uh, sweat and diligence to progress and to dissect the art. So that's kind of what I do. How'd you get involved with the History Channel and El Rey uh, being on those shows, the Forge and Fires and the the Man at Arms, the Art of War shows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So... Uh, for Men at Arms, like they contacted me. They had saw the video I had did on the uh, Mambele sickle sword, and they were actually wanting to feature um, a Central African weapon on the show. So I was actually the only person who's ever done like a video on that weapon, even dealing with how to use it. So they came and they saw some of my other stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, let's 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 like you know see if we can get him and bring him in." So. Yeah, so they contacted me just out of the blue. And, you know, it's like I get a lot of stuff sometimes from different things, and I'm not quite sure if it's real or what. And, you know, there's always a, a high dose of, a, of imposter syndrome that comes along with it. But, like, yeah, when they were like, hey, we got this going on, and I'd like you to come down. And I'm like, you know, sure. You know, I'm, you know it's like I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I do what I do. And I, I, yeah, I don't have any, any, false notions of myself like there's there's things that I know there's things that I don't know but you know I was the only person who was you know showing you know how to use it or at least like theories of how to use it so they contacted me and you know they you know put me on and they liked I guess how I moved moved and the work I did on the camera with the you know in front of the camera and so they brought me back for season two to do some more that's awesome I was actually uh 
Go ahead. Now, a lot of folks don't know. I don't talk about this too often, but I was contacted by uh, Forged and Fire. One of the producers, they got in contact with me and they asked me if I wanted to do the show. And yeah. I, I kind of shot it down at the time. Well, not kind of. I did shoot it down just because I wasn't too comfortable being in front of the camera like that. You know, I'm right. I'm kind of like a low key person. You know, my my group is very very small, so I was shocked when I turned on the television one day and I saw you on the History Channel on Forge and Fire. I was like, damn, that was that show I was supposed to be on or could have been on. Yeah, man, <laughs> you, know? you should have been there, man. That would have been great. Like God, I, 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 um, I was I was in a place to be honest, like on a personal level, like I was in a very very dark place at that time. And like I was really like um there's like a lot of uncertainty that was going on with me and I um I heard about this show and I reached out to them. I sent them like my I sent them some demo reels and pictures and stuff and then they contacted me and we're like, Yeah, okay, we gotta go. We we we're 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 green light, green lit to go. You know, so I hit my I hit my friend up, my bladesmith who helps us out with making training weapons. Um, I was like, hey man, I was like, I need a I need a I need a sword uh, for the show, even though it's called Knife for Death. That's a whole different story. So <laughs> he made me uh, an Egyptian coat patch, but I figured that was like a good a good um, uh, mid you know compromise point. You know, a coat patch is like a a short sword, you know, machete style weapon. So. You know, this was going to be like a, they were very secretive about like what you're actually going to be doing, but they were like, yeah, it's kind of like a combination between an obstacle course and those cutting and those, uh, those cutting competitions and stuff. So, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to, what to prepare for. Um, he made, he made that sword for me and as soon as he made it, like I didn't have any time to really like know what the sword could do. I, I, I shot a quick video with it and then I packed it up and sent it off to them. And I didn't touch it until I arrived in, in Atlanta to shoot the episode. And I had no idea if this sword was going to be able to cut through anything at all. <laughs> wow. Um, it performed pretty yeah, well. Like, it performed pretty well, though. Oh, um, man. I was so like, like, I was like, so, you know, <laughs> first, you know, first it's like, okay, they, they get us, they get us up there and it's like, okay, everything is happening real fast. Like, it's like an assembly line. And like so, your boy has been like kind of spoiled there with El Ray because El Ray they came in and it's like you're up in the hotel and they like got you know catered you know lunches for you and stuff and people are like driving you back and forth and stuff. So like I was kind of spoiled on that. <laughs> when I got to Atlanta, man, they had us in the they had us in like a a, a, a damp a damp corner. We couldn't move anywhere. It was like raining and gray and it was like it was just it was miserable. But uh, so we went in. Um, we went in to, to, to check it, to check our weapons. Um, and then it's like, so you had to pass that, you had to pass that, that, that preliminary cut in order to like continue. And there was one dude, he didn't get to continue, man. And he probably would have done, he was, a, he was a Filipino martial artist as well. He probably would have done pretty well, done pretty well at it, but like his, his blade didn't pass the cut. So, um, you know, I was nervous about that because I saw him get cut just automatically from that, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, they, they're walking us through the Oscar course. And they're like, you know, I'm like, man, they're going to have us cut through some, some, some dowels and a box and some ice and then like a chicken and some fish and some steel. And so I was like, I'm like, man, like, I, didn't, I, I'm, I, was, I was stressing out, man. I was stressing out because I really, I really needed that victory. I really needed that win. And I was like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And I got out there. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go on a record to say that Goldberg and the uh, other the other brother that was out there, I think his name is Tam? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or Lan? Yeah. They, they were really cool. Like, Goldberg was super cool. Goldberg came, came out and spoke with us. And it was really cool for him to, like, to say, hey, guys, man, you know, we are really fans of what you guys are doing. So go in there and just do what you do. And you know, for him to kind of have that little, that little, just to say that little pep talk was really, really, was really, was really dope. But um, and I went out there, and um, when I, when I, when I, when I bowed and I prayed, like I, I was like, I was, I was serious. Like it's like I don't know what this blade is gonna do. Like I'm at, I'm literally right now at this, at this dark place, this point of chaos. I have no idea what's gonna happen once I cross onto this, onto you know, forward. Um, I don't know, but like, I just, I just hope that whatever I do that's being captured doesn't like, you know, bring shame to me 
and shame to my my family and to my ancestors and anyone that's kind of like that's rocking with me. That's what I that's what was what I was saying to myself when I bowed down. And then like when I got a chance to just like go, and like I felt it like I felt the, I felt the the, the copesh, like you know cut through stuff and it's like I started feel you know I started feeling it like I felt it I felt the power of it. And then I got to that damn fish, and I was like, fuck the fish. <laughs> fish, I, man, that fucking fish. I wanted to, right when I cut it, because it was hanging on by a little bit of meat and skin, I wanted to cut it again just to, like, just, I was so I was so pissed off, and I was, like, trying my best to hold it in. And you know they served us for lunch that day, right? That that chopped up fish? <laughs> N- not that fish. They, they served us for some fucking fish, man. <laughs> they served us some salmon, man. It was terrible. Oh, Lord. But man, yeah, I, man. They, they were, huh? I'll say I'll, I'll tell you. You talk about winning. You actually did win. I mean, because that was just more exposure, you know, on on a on a large scale. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it was it was it, it it was good for me. Um, it was good for me to to feel that because, like I said, I was in a place where it was it was really dark, and I was really like trying to like find my way out of it and just kind of like yeah it was, it was it was it was good for me if i would have won that if i would have won it and won in that way during that time i probably would have you know wasted it, it would have been a wasted thing you know so it was it was good for me to have that that humbling and um to make me you know you know feel that but um it did help to kind of bring uh our bring light to the research that we're doing and the movement so like you know like you said like yeah that's definitely that's a that's a big victory there definitely so the way i like to close out my show man i don't know if you've ever watched inside the actors guild it used to come on uh bravo or inside the actor studio i believe it is you ever seen that show i think I think I caught the episode with Chappelle on it, right? Yeah, yeah, Chappelle was on there. Yeah, definitely. So the host, James Lipton, he has these 10 questions that he asks at the end of the show. And I have my version of the 10 questions. So these are kind of rapid fire. They're not meant to be insightful or anything like that. It's just kind of the first thing that comes to your mind. So you ready for them? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, just, right. it's nothing bad. It's nothing bad. Trust me. Okay, so. All right, man. The first one, what's your favorite weapons category? Favorite weapons category would be sword and shield. Okay, your least favorite. Uh, me fighting sword and shield and somebody with a spear. That sucks. What do you love <laughs> about the martial arts? Say it one more time. What do you love about the martial arts? Um, I love the the sense of 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 of. Uh, it's gonna sound weird. But power. <laughs> okay. Empowerment. Let me say the empowering feeling that I feel when I do it. The empowerment I feel when I do it is, is probably a better answer. Okay, there it is. What turns you off about the martial arts? Uh, politics. I agree. What do you love to do besides train? Jeez. Uh, if you ask my wife, nothing but train. <laughs> um uh, I like to uh, spend time with my family. I like to like read and you know watch watch sci-fi, fantasy, you know epic films and stuff. Okay. Well, what do you hate? What do I hate? Oh boy, I hate. Sometimes I hate having to be in a place where I have to uh, with people who are not really interested in me, but I have to pretend like we're we have to pretend like we're interested in each other for a certain amount of time. I hate that. So you hate being fake? Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I do, you know, <laughs> hate being fake. I think I hate the social dancing. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit antisocial sometimes. So I hate I hate having to be in a situation where you make small talk with people and they don't really care, like, about who you are and what you are and I don't really care about who they are and what they are. We're just kind of, like, doing the dance. I kind of hate doing the dance like that. I agree. What's your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word would have to be, uh, it would have to be, uh, <laughs> probably like, I guess it has to be fuck. There it is. What, mar- yep. what martial art besides your own would you like to try? Ooh, what martial art would I like to try besides my own? Um, 
I, ooh, gosh, you're killing me here with that, man. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I have a, I have a big love for Southeast Asian art. So like any of like the, um, any of the, the, um, the like Moy Baran or, um, uh, left way, something like that. I would, I would, I would like to do that. Left way is brutal, man. That's brutal. It is. It is. It is. Okay. What martial art would you not want to try? Oh shit! Look at you! <laughs> oh damn it! You gonna give me a trouble, man? <laughs> what martial art do I not want to do? Ooh boy! Okay. Um, what martial art would I not want to do? It would have to be. Oh, what would I want? Wouldn't want to do? I would not want to do. Mm, yeah that's a tough one all right the last question man is when it's all over man when we transition from this earth what do you want to be remembered for what would you want your martial legacy to be um that i was a an underdog and that i um i worked hard and i i made the best out of the resources i had available and I was able to transform my life through martial arts and hopefully was able to transform other people's lives uh, through the arts. There it is. You nailed it. My brother, I appreciate you coming on the show. If folks want to get in contact with you for workshops or seminars, where can they find you and, and, and how can they contact you? Okay, well, you can go visit our website, which is silentsword.org. That is silentsword.org. Or you can hit me up uh, via email at austinwarriorarts at gmail.com. Um, I have a YouTube page that's under Demonstice and um, on Facebook at Demonstice as well. Hey, man, it's a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate you taking your time out. And I just no, wish you. All mine. Hey, man, I just wish you blessings and, and all the best in your life and in your training. Thank you, brother. You too. Uh, again, this is my honor, so I appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to our show. Subscribe, rate, share, leave a review, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at South Texas Kali. Until next time, stay safe and train hard. Peace. <laughs>